I'm Rex Coulter, Coulter Cattle Company, Tyler, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, fall is here, and it's time for those big runs of fall calves to come to livestock auctions all over Texas. But thanks to the drought, we may not see the same type of fall runs that we usually see this time of year. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Winter wheat planting is moving forward in the Texas High Plains, even as farmers wait for rain. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. An upper-level high-pressure system is stalled over Texas, creating continued warmer, drier conditions into October. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more from the National Weather Service on Texas Ag Today. Still hot and dry here on the rolling plains as we look ahead to 2023. Hello, I'm Barry Mollard. I'll tell you about it in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Well, fall is here, and it's time for those big fall calf runs to start at livestock auctions all over Texas. But we may see a smaller number of calves moving this fall because of the drought. Texas A&M livestock economist David Anderson says the drought caused many calves to sell earlier this year. It would appear that not only have we moved cows to market sooner, culling deeper in the herds, but we moved calves earlier too. The cattle on feed data from last month would certainly suggest a lot more placements in Texas of lighter weight animals. And really, so that drought also forced us to move calves as well. So those calves we moved earlier than maybe normal aren't going to show up in this fall run. So I think there's some expectation or some evidence that, you know, that fall run may be a little smaller because some of them already went to market. And those lighter numbers of calves selling this fall may help to support prices because demand for feeder cattle is still strong. USDA announced new initiatives last week to crack down on anti-competitive practices in the meatpacking industry. But the nation's largest cattle group has some concerns with some of those proposals. Tanner Beamer is with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. This is the latest iteration of what has become a 14-year debacle and what the industry is collectively referred to as the GYPSA rules. This administration has been looking at revamping some of those in continuation, building off of the work of previous administrations, replacing the work of previous administrations. And so we are looking at, in front of us, an undue and unreasonable preferences and advantages rule out of USDA. Beamer says this is an unprecedented step from the Ag Department that could jeopardize the 
economic independence of cattle producers. And that raises a lot of red flags. Well, you know, I think there are plenty of reason for those red flags to go up. You know, over the last 14 years, we've seen many different proposed rules that if allowed to finalize would have been absolutely detrimental to the way that we do business in this country. This rulemaking that USDA has announced today, it, it is not officially a, a notice of proposed rulemaking. It's what they're calling a draft rule, but it's 180 pages long. And I am not exaggerating when I say that we broke our printer in our office and ran out of highlighters trying to analyze the first little bit of this. And while NCBA examines the new proposed Proposals, lawsuits against the Packers continue to move through the legal system. The latest is with Smithfield Foods. Smithfield agreed to pay $75 million to settle a price-fixing lawsuit. The company is accused of conspiring to inflate prices in the U.S. pork market by limiting supply. Smithfield previously reached settlements worth $83 million with direct purchasers and $42 million with commercial purchasers, including restaurants. A big chunk of the Texas winter wheat crop has been planted. But James Hunt says the crop in the Texas High Plains is having a challenging start. There's anticipation that despite all the difficulties they may face, farmers who grow winter wheat in Texas will increase their acres this year. One of the major counties for wheat in our area is Ockeltree County up in the northeast panhandle. About 150,000 acres are typically planted there each year. But extension agent Scott Strawn is expecting this season's plantings to go above that. You know, a lot of it's just due to the current price function that we're looking at and the price that's being offered. So I think we're going to see an uptick at least 10%, 15% in our acres this coming year. Strawn says planting has begun in Ockeltree County but won't be complete for several more weeks. The producers that planted early under irrigation, of course, they've had water. The stands look good. We've definitely had the heat. In fact, that's kind of a concern when you plant early. It's a little hot, and so cooler temperatures will help us. But most of the dry land is going into some pretty dry soil conditions, and most of the producers are basically dry soiling, as we call it, and uh, planting pretty shallow, hoping that we get some rains. When you dig down in a lot of the fields, there is actually some subsoil moisture and some of the producers are going ahead and uh, taking a chance to plant a little deeper going for that. You know, the biggest risk is when they do that, uh, if we get heavy rain, that wheat seed's buried pretty deep in the, in the ground. But uh, a lot of uh, dry sowing is happening. Some are going deep into the moisture. Some are just planting shallow, waiting for rains. Strawn estimates that at least 80% of Ockeltree County's acres will be intended for grain, but there will be grazing as well. And speaking of livestock, tomorrow Strawn gives us a preview of an upcoming meeting for area cattle raisers. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Warmer and drier conditions are expected to continue into October. Tom Nicoletti checks in with a Fort Worth meteorologist for an update. To talk more about the upcoming uh, forecast uh, across Texas in October and a recap of September weather is Tom Bradshaw. He is meteorologist in charge at the National Weather Service in Fort Worth. And Tom, September was certainly dry and warmer than uh, usual across Texas. Well, it's good to be with you again, Tom. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, we had quite a bit of rainfall at the very end of August. And it was looking like maybe September would kind of bode well for a little bit more precipitation. And that just did not materialize. We had, unfortunately, a very dry and very warm month of September across almost all of the Lone Star State. And unfortunately, that pattern is probably going to continue on into 
into the fall and the winter. We're looking for continued warmer than normal conditions and continued drier than normal conditions across virtually all of the state of Texas, not only through October, but that's going to continue on through the end of the year, the way it's looking because of this La Nina pattern that we have in place across the southern United States. Talk about the uh, weather patterns that are hovering over the state right now and how that's going to impact the weather in October. That's a good point, Tom. Basically, what we've been seeing is a lot of upper-level high pressure. We have ridges of of upper-level high pressure that have been parked across the central and western parts of the United States, and that pretty much keeps storm systems away from Texas and away from the southern states and more into the eastern and southeastern parts of the U.S. While we do get fronts that come through on occasion and bring a little bit of rain here and there, by and large, the main storm systems that bring us a lot of rain from the southwest to the western part of the U.S., they're pretty much bypassing us at this point because of this big upper-level ridge that's, that's basically parked over us. Thank you, Tom. That is Tom Bradshaw, meteorologist at the National Weather Service in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It is still hot and dry on the Texas rolling plains. Barry Mahler has an update from the Wichita Falls area. The summer of 2022 arrived early, provided a lot of hot, dry weather through the season, and now doesn't want to go away. Here in North Texas, like many other parts of the state, temperatures are still reaching 100 degrees or near that. Now, some relief is showing up as the cool fronts. Now, I won't go so far as calling them cold fronts are pushing through, but it's still very dry across much of the rolling plains, just when winter wheat planting would be gearing up to full speed. So some rain will be needed soon, or the 23 crop could be affected. There have been other things for farmers and ranchers to be concerned with during the year as we head into the fourth quarter. The conversations turn to what's next. Pat Westhoff, who is director of the Food and Policy Research Institute, University of Missouri, talked about that in some of their findings in the recent policy outlook statement. Inflation, drought, and the invasion of Ukraine have caught the attention of grain and livestock producers, and that's not going to change much going into the new year. I've already mentioned the drought, The Ukraine invasion has already drug on longer than most people thought possible and now looks as though it could be escalating rather than subsiding. Even though limited exports of grain have come out of Ukraine this year, it's nowhere close to resuming its role in supplying global demand. Now, this could help keep grain prices higher than a basic supply-demand situation would show, so that could be positive for our producers. Inflation is affecting agriculture with higher input costs, and although some reports show it's stabilizing, it's still at a multi-year high and will be very difficult to bring down. One situation to watch is natural gas demand in Europe this winter. A long, cold winter could keep natural gas prices high, and that means higher fertilizer prices for American agriculture. One bright spot is cattle producers. It's the American consumer's willingness to pay higher prices for beef, and that's kept the market much stronger than expected. There was a time that as prices rose, consumption slowed considerably, but that's not been as prevalent in the last year. Well, the report goes on to say that it's going to take strong management skills to navigate the next few years. And here on the rolling plains, we've learned from history that drought is one of the hardest conditions to manage. So tighten your seatbelts. We could be in for a bumpy ride in 2023. Reporting from North Central Texas, I'm Barry Mahler for Texas Ag Today. Texas students can win a prize for painting or drawing their favorite wild fish found in Texas. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And we never know when a disaster can strike, so we need to have a plan for our pets when one occurs. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next. 
right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas A&M Forest Service is helping to protect lives, property, and livelihoods from wildfire. Dangerous wildfire weather conditions in the state can look like just any other day. Hot, dry, and windy. But a specific mix of weather factors can be conducive to a devastating wildfire outbreak. Learn what to look for. Listen to officials. Evacuate early. Your actions could help save your life, property, and livelihood. For more information on wildfire weather warnings, visit TICC.TAMU.EDU. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We never know when a disaster can strike, so Dr. Bob Judd says we need to have a plan for our pets when one does occur. In Texas, we have had more than our share of natural disasters over the last few years. We usually have disaster plans for humans, but lots of times we forget about the animals and then we panic. Carla Plummer is a licensed veterinary technician at the Small Animal Clinic at Texas A&M, and she indicates that the Texas Veterinary Medical Association online site, texvetspets.org, that there are several numbers you need to have written down for an emergency. The first is your veterinarian, but also have numbers for the local animal emergency clinics, not only in your town, but surrounding areas in case clinics could be closed in your area due to the disaster. Fire department and police numbers should be in your phone, as well as the animal shelter. It is also good to have the phone number of a relative or friend that is close, but not in your same area, that could help with your animals. A written plan is important to determine how to get the pets out of the house and have enough pet carriers available if needed. Identify your carriers with luggage tags and identify your pets with microchips that you have registered with a database. The chips themselves are useless without online registration, as in most cases, these are not GPS chips that actively track your animal. There are GPS collars available, but a collar can be lost easily. Be sure and take pictures of all your pets and any health conditions that can be altered on collars, tags, and microchip companies. Make sure to pack food, water, and medications for at least three days and have your vaccination paperwork and medical records in with your other important papers so the pet paperwork is not forgotten. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas students can win a prize for painting or drawing their favorite wild fish found here in Texas. Jessica Domo has the details in today's Wildlife Report. To foster a love of fishing and Texas fisheries, while also underlining the importance of conserving the state's aquatic resources, the Texas Freshwater Fishery Center is now accepting entries for the 2023 Texas Division of Wildlife Forever's Fish Art Contest. The contest is open to students in grades K through 12. Students are encouraged to use paper, cardboard, canvas, or another flat material, and pencils crayons, markers, paint, or even scrap papers to illustrate a wild fish found in Texas, like red drum, walleye, rainbow trout, alligator gar, or Guadalupe bass. To be eligible to win, students must also submit a completed entry form, which is available on the Texas Freshwater Fisheries Center website. Students in grades 4 through 12 must also submit a one-page creative writing piece demonstrating their knowledge, connection to, and understanding of the fish that they portrayed in their artwork. The students whose art and essay are chosen on the state level 
will go on to compete nationally. The goal of the contest is to provide valuable lessons about fish and the importance of conserving aquatic resources. The contest also fosters a connection to the outdoors and hopefully inspires the next generation of stewards. The deadline to enter Wildlife Forever's Fish Art Contest is February 28th. Additional details, along with lesson plans for teachers, are available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. That is tpwd.texas.gov. There, simply search Fish Art Contest. Again, that's tpwd.texas.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market started the week higher on Monday, but cotton continues to drop. We'll take a look at all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market started the week on an upswing Monday. We closed higher across the board in both live and feeder cattle. October live cattle up a dollar five, one forty four thirty two. The December up ninety seven, one forty eight oh two. February live cattle up ninety cents, one fifty one fifty five. Same story in the feeder market. October feeder cattle up a dollar thirty five, one seventy five fifty two. November feeders up a dollar forty-two at one seventy-six oh five. January up a dollar thirty-five, one seventy-seven oh two. Cash-fed cattle market all quiet on Monday. We wrapped up last week selling cattle here in the South at one forty-three. That's fully steady with the previous week's average. Up north, dress sales sold mostly at two twenty-eight. That's a buck lower compared to the previous week. Box beef prices higher on Monday. Choice up a dollar thirty-eight at two forty-five thirteen. Select up a dollar seventy two twenty-one eighty-three. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Jody Fry sold cattle at San Angelo on Thursday. How did it go at producers, Jody? Well, it was on a lower market. We had more cattle this week. We had 1,100 head total today. Better steers weighing four to 600 pounds from 140 all the way up to a high of near 195, mostly from 150 to 180. Better quality heifer calves, four to 600 pounds from 130 up to a high of near 170, mostly 140 to 155. Slaughter cows averaged to high yielding from 60 to 76. Still had some of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 78 to a high of 86. Thinner or lower yielding type cows, not as many of those today, but they traded from 36 to 56. Slaughter bulls averaged to high yielding from 80 to 96. Did have several of the highest yielding slaughter bulls from 97 to a high of 107. Cow-calf pairs, baby tooth, and good solid mouth pairs had a few groups of those traded anywhere from 1,000 to a high of 13. What are you expecting for next week, Jody Fry? 
I'm looking for more sheep and goats on uh, Tuesday. You know, uh, two weeks ago we had 8,000, and last week we had 6,000. But Denny knows of a set of hair ewes uh, that should be pretty decent aged. Uh, if if they're, uh, like I said, uh, the age should be four- and five-year-old ewes, should still have some life left to them. And I know another uh, tentative consignment of hair sheep ewes coming, so I'm going to say at least six to 7,000 head on Tuesday and probably back around that 1,000 head of cattle on Thursday. Jody Fry, producers in Cargyle, San Angelo, tell everybody how to contact. You bet. Any of us at the office, that would be 325-653-3371. My mobile phone's 234-7895. Neighbor, this is Larry Marble in San Angelo reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures trade now, where lean hogs finished mixed on Monday. October hogs down 45 cents, 88.77. December hogs up $1.50, 77.72. Class 3 milk was higher. October milk up 42 cents, 22.17, 100 weight. The cotton market just cannot seem to hold on to any gains. Lots of negative factors on the cotton market right now. Of course, we have harvest pressure starting to come into the market, poor demand due to weak exports, and higher interest rates all weighing on the cotton trade. December cotton down 114 points Monday, closing at 84.20. March cotton down 126 at 82.19. December 23 cotton down 65 points, 74.20 cents. Corn market managed to close higher. December corn up three and a quarter, six eighty and three quarters. March corn up three and a half at six eighty seven and a half. The wheat market got a surprise Friday. USDA dropped their estimate of U.S. wheat production from one point seven eight billion bushels down to one point six five billion bushels. They also cut wheat acreage more than was expected. So that definitely gave us a shot in the arm in Friday's wheat trade. We were sharply higher. However, on Monday, the market took a bit of a breather and slowed down. December Kansas City wheat down two and three quarters, 9.88 and three quarters. December Chicago wheat down nine and a half at 9.12 a bushel. In the energy markets Monday, November natural gas was down 24 cents at 6.52. November crude oil up $4, 83.49 a barrel. We had a nice recovery in the financial markets Monday afternoon. The Dow up 850 points, 29,575. The NASDAQ up 279 at 10,855. The S&P up 104 points, 3,690. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or dfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.